0: All right, let's all stand up. Let's welcome Robbie Dawkins. Come on up, Robbie.
1: Wow, bless you guys. Bless you. Thank you. You guys are too kind. Um, It's always a joy to be here. and uh, there's just an added benefit now that our son is on staff here, so that uh, makes it even an extra perk uh, to be able to uh, to come and and, uh, and now a future daughter-in-law too as an extra perk. The Cochrans knew the right bait. That's all I'll say. They. <laughs> <you? laughs> That was the Lord The Lord baiting that one and setting that up, and it's very obvious. We're very happy for that. Can I share with you just a couple of things that we have for you? We've got a resource table um, back here and just um, uh, equipping and training tools for you just if you're wanting to grow and develop in, in more of a, uh, being empowered by the Holy Spirit and making the world know Him more through you. Um, my, my third book, Do Greater Things, is out there. This was just released in January and um, has been um, really an impact uh, for a lot of people. And the whole, the whole premise of it is understanding that what Jesus was doing sort of setting the foundation for us to build on when he said, these things say you do greater. I mean, it's, it, you know it's amazing for being a leader, if you would look at it just and clump religions in together of the world, which you should never do. I don't agree with that process or that thinking. But if you did that... Jesus is the only one that set the stage for his followers to go beyond him. If you really investigate them and study apologetics and understand, he's the only one that said, look, I'm setting you up to even go beyond. I'm setting the standard and the platform, but for you to go uh, beyond as empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so, and no, no other has done that. But anyway, this is a book really exploring that. What was he giving us permission to do and to step out, filled with testimonies and stories of that. And then we also, this is our, our latest uh, teaching DVD, TBN had asked me to do a uh, series on deliverance ministry, uh, especially as it's relating to people who are not in church, but, it, but also relating for both. Um, and so this is about breaking uh, demonic power in people's life. It's called Breaking Darkness, Releasing the Peace. A lot of people say this is a scary cover, and I don't get it. It's my face. <laughs> How can that be scary? I mean, I think they should make, you know, cherubs look like that, is my my thinking on it. And not scary. I think that's beautiful, you know? Anyway, so that's my best pitch. Right? It, also, the last DVD on it, we have the, it's a nine-part series uh, that's in there, nine episodes uh, on that teaching that we did for TBN. But then also the last one is myself and Brian Welch, uh, lead guitar player for Korn, doing ministry at one of his corn shows and uh, seeing people come to Christ and him talking about his testimony and how Christ broke into uh, his life in a very powerful, powerful way. So anyway, so that's, that's there if you're interested in all of those resources, help us go do things in other parts of the world. Uh, we're, we're wanting to, um, as I shared when I was here last time, we're wanting to start a school in the Middle East um, for uh, training underground church leaders in how to do power evangelism. And equipping them to go out, and especially it being in uh, Yerevan and in Erbil, Iraq. Um, so easy place to do ministry, you know. We never go for we never go for the the challenging stuff. I always do it in the easier parts of the world because that's just the best way to go. <laughs> um, I want to I want to share with you a video. I was uh, asked by a Southern Baptist pastor um, who reached out to us through our our website and said, "Is it possible for Robbie to come to our church?" and At first, what happened is is he started watching uh, some uh, videos uh, of Power and Love, of Todd White and I doing uh, some training. and, And he was sitting at the end of one of the sessions and he shouts out at his TV monitor or his computer monitor. He shouts out, he says, if those heathens can do it, then I can do it too. And all of a sudden, he felt something hit him in the chest. He flies backwards out of his chair, hits the bookcase, slides down, and as soon as like, his butt hits the floor, he erupts in tongues and started just speaking in tongues. Yeah, it's a really spectacular story. And for days, he could only speak in tongues. He couldn't do anything else but speak in tongues. And he was, he was afraid to leave the church, and so at one point, the fire department showed up ...saying that neighbors reported seeing flames come out of the church, that the church was on fire. And so they came to, to put the fire out, but this was not a fire that they could put out... ...nor one that they could even, you know, see natural flames to. And so uh, anyway, and he, so he contacted us and he goes... Um, he immediately went, I didn't share this with the first service... ...he immediately went out the next day, once he was able to actually speak English again... Uh, he was uh, he, he immediately went out the next day and he led over i think it was over the next few days led over a hundred people to christ uh, and and it was just amazing and that 's a University Baptist Church, which is right across the street in Kingsville, Texas, from uh, an extension of texas a and m uh, an extensive campus of texas a and m and so uh, there 's a lot of uh, students from all over the world there, but he he reached out to us and he says. He said, I would like for you to come, but, you know, we really couldn't, you know, we can't afford to bring him in. We can't afford to. And so my, 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 the person who handles my booking, she goes, she goes, I told him we couldn't do it. She goes, because, you know, you've used up all the missions money already and other stuff. And we don't have enough money to go do a free thing. And I'm like, look, I will pay that guy, for us to come to a Baptist church <laughs> and do, you better believe we are going. And so, uh, so we went down and, um, and it, was, it was so incredible uh, just to see, we, there, there, there were three elders there that were ready to fire the pastor the first night. And one of them, I didn't even get to share this in the first service either, one of them had uh, five different sections of metal in his back, metal rods in his back, all of them disappeared. We prayed and we had his wife prayed for him and all the metal disappears. And I said, bend down and touch your toes. He says, I can't bend. And I said, just try. And he goes, what part do you not understand about? It? I can't. And I said, would you, you just give, sh- prove that you can't. And he reaches down and touches his toes. And he's like, the only way that could happen is if the metal's gone. And so he went back and all of the rods had disappeared in his back. They weren't taken out. They were dis- they had disappeared. But anyway, so uh, there was this one young lady who came because there were several um, of her fellow uh, Hindu student friends that were talking about that they were, they were basically stopping worshiping idols and they were believing in Christ and following Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And she, she was arguing with them and saying, that's not right. It, there's many gods and you know all this stuff. And so they finally said to her, they said, well, you just need to come and see. And so she goes, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to show that this is not real. And this is, so she showed up. You want to see what happened? <laughs> Let's show the video. This is her talking to tell the story. Hey, guys. So I have my friend Saljanya here, and she has an amazing story tonight. Tonight, we saw the power of the Holy Spirit fall here at University Baptist Church. And Saljanya, tell us what happened to you.
2: I'm Saljanya, as Robbie is telling. And I was an idol worshiper before, but now today... I felt the presence of Jesus. And when my friends was asking me to pray only Jesus, I was like, no, please, don't tell me that. Because there's a spirit, and only one spirit, and we people have given so many names to that spirit, and we call it as Jesus, that, this, and all. But now I say, and I declare, there's only one God, that is Jesus. There is only one God. And I'll never take my word back. I'll follow Jesus a lot. I'll follow Jesus in future. Thank you, Lord. And Thank what you happened so much. to you?
1: What happened to you tonight? I. Actually, we'll
2: I came... I came to the University the Baptist Church today in the evening and I was like, I was n- not having any single reason to cry and my peop- my friends were telling that if you felt the presence of God, you'll start crying. I was like, no, what they're telling, please. And now today, when he was, Robbie was praying and I felt the presence of God and I was, awestruck. What is, what is happening in me? I was like, God, what is this? I was like, so all my legs were, legs my... Uh, my legs were become so stiff and I could not able to walk and I was like Why? What? what is this happening? and then I I, I I started walking and I don't know when I started crying and I surrendered myself to Jesus without knowing seriously I felt Jesus
1: and now she's given her life to Jesus no more worshipping idols right? no no, no never other gods, right? never alright we realize now that Jesus is the way yes. the truth and life and I thank you so
2: much for that you
1: really got to me Lord. Praise, Praise the, Lord. the Lord. This is where a Hindu becomes a passionate follower of Jesus. Awesome. awesome. Praise yes. God. Yes. Praise All right, guys, God. go do the same. I get a little jazzed when <laughs> stuff like that happens. <laughs> and uh, she just graduated uh, university and is uh, excited to go back and share with her family that uh, some of them have threatened to kill her. Uh, for accepting Christ, but we know that we don't fear that or worry about that, that we're here to declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ no matter what, and she's on fire. It's on fire. And so I want to I talk to you, kind of using that to jump off, and it was really cool because when she started to, when you, I, I was watching her, for some reason I was just kind of drawn to her and I was watching, and as she began to I could see the Holy Spirit start to come on her. And as I begin to see the Holy Spirit come on her, all of a sudden she starts going backwards. And these little baddest people, they don't know what to do with that. They're like, like, whoa, get out of the way. And bam, she hits the floor. She never even felt herself hit the floor. I immediately, when she said I started crying And I don't know when I'm like, it's probably when you hit the floor I don't know, it's just a thought I had but, but she's like, no, I never felt that She goes, I hit the floor, really? And I was like, yeah She goes, no, I never even felt that So it was so cool So be in expectancy for tonight For some of that to happen tonight But I want to talk to you about You know, when we look at Every year uh, Whenever we're in this season This time of year I get so excited Because my favorite like program comes on. It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody, come on, who's not a fan of It's a Wonderful Life? And every time I watch it, I cry, every single time. And it is, and, I, and it's really cool because I, I began to do a little bit of research on it and look at its history and look at what happened. And uh, the the guy who actually produced and directed the film said it was actually the turning point of his life and how it made this massive impact and totally transformed his life uh, just making that film. And when you take a look at it, you could really see that this is a, a, a real pivoting point and a demonstration. I mean, to me, it's a, it's a real communication of the gospel. But one of the things that it, that it made me sort of stop and think uh, is I begin to stop and think, well, what if we did that with the life of Jesus? What if you could go and remove Jesus from history and take a look at what would, what would society, what would the world look like without Christ? What would that, what would that be like? And what impact you know, did he make? And this Christmas time is a time of doing that. We're, I mean, we look at the fact that he's the Prince of Peace. All focus is on that. And yet there's a constant war to strip our society of focus of Christ to, trip, to, to strip this, this holiday, this time of the focus of Christ and to look to other things and to uh, look at, you know, just gift giving and all those things and sort of get our eyes off of who it's really about. And so what would it look like if he was completely taken out? A woman historian was on the History Channel and also I saw her about a couple of months after that on CNN and she was doing uh, this interview and this, this was last year and these were the words she said. She said, Jesus was a miserable failure. Because he never became king of Israel as he intended to do. So she's seeing the fact that he didn't become the king of Israel as his being a miserable failure. Which Jesus never declared he would be the king of Israel. He he was declared to be the king of the world. To be the king of heaven and the king of earth. But never the king of Israel alone. Historians recognize Jesus as the single most dominant historical figure. Despite this woman's uh, statement. Of the past 20 centuries. But what if he never came? What if we pulled him out of that? And what would that... If we extracted him from history. What impact did his life make? Not just on us as Christians. But on the entire world. Years ago Walt Disney's uh, daughter. When she was a kid. She wrote a biography. And in her biography. She talked about how that she had to write a paper. On one of her parents. And she decided to pick her father. To write this uh, paper for school on. And in the paper she... Uh, she talked about him but when she presented it to the class none of it was about his achievements you know as a, as a you know, movie, as a production company or as uh, Walt Disney World or any of that, none of that came out in the paper and two of the kids grabbed her daughter at the end and said, don't you know who your father is? and she looked at him and she says, what do you mean? and they said, Mickey Mouse, Disneyland don't you know who you the Magic Kingdom, all of that don't you know who your dad is? And she came running home and she burst in the door and she said, dad, how come you never told me you were Walt Disney? (laughs) And when we stop and take a look, we don't realize who Christ really is. We don't realize the impact. And I hope today to shed a little bit of light on that for you because for this historian who went on to say, well, especially on her segment on CNN, she said, Jesus was not a political figure. He had no connections with Herod the Sanhedrin, who were the ruling times, or Rome for that time and period. He led no military action, and he he had not graduated from any prestigious schools. In the eyes of many, he was no more than an uneducated kid born on the wrong side of the tracks and born to parents, to poor parents, and he was conceived out of wedlock, which would make him nothing in that society. Even his followers were relatively uneducated and ridiculously, and that's a quote, all of this is a quote, ridiculously unimportant. Now These are people that we refer to today as the saints, St. Peter, St. Paul, we refer to them as that, and she's saying they're relatively unimportant people. And yet, 2018 years later, it is impossible to imagine the world without the impact of Jesus Christ. And I hope to reveal it to you a little bit today. When Jesus died on the cross at Calvary and he rose from the grave, he was turning the tide of everything. And honestly, I really believe that it was the, the, the death of the cross was a disruption of a system that Satan had created. But the resurrection was the turning of the entire tide of humanity. Because he was not being raised from the dead. He was raising himself from the dead. If you think about it, it's, it's far more powerful, and in doing so was leading up to the release of Pentecost, when all of humanity would come into a place of their own resurrection. To be free from a person of death and the person of religiosity and be captive, captive in the past. And of course, the, what we refer to as Pentecost is the birth of the church. It's the birthday of the church. So imagine a world with no church. Because if you take out Christ, you take out the church and all of its influence that has had through all time. That means no John the Baptist. That means no Peter. That means no Paul. That means no Timothy, no Francis of Assisi, no Mother Teresa, no Billy Graham, no Wesley brothers. No Dietrich Bonhoeffer, no Martin Luther King or Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. or John Wimber. No hospitals, no educational facilities, no Notre Dame, no St. Paul's University. And no houses of worship, you know, throughout the, uh, the, the, the world in underground churches in China or in Iran that are now currently in a massive revival and that is changing their nations. You mark my word, Iran will bow to Christ. Iran will bow to Christ. And Paul says this about the church in Colossians 3:11 through15: "In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us, speaking of those who have relationship with him. Since God chose you to be holy people, he loves you, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, none of which man has naturally. Only can be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace before this Jesus movement, which I'm going to refer to that uh, many times because I believe more than what we just look at Christianity and just even as the church, what it is the church, not to take away from that, but this is a movement of Jesus himself. This is a movement that was started by Jesus. The church is the movement of Jesus Christ on the earth. There was a a movement uh, that that, there's no other movement that actively sought out Uh, To include every single human being, regardless of their nationality, ethnicity, status, wealth, gender, moral background, education. Uh, It included all those who who were loved and unloved. None of that was offered to anyone to bring full and complete transformation. Not based on merit, but based on who its founder was, not who its recipients were. Who was this person? Jesus forever changed the possibility of what community could look like in the world. He changed everything. There was no sense of even understanding of community other than survival. Every year, uh, some news commentator makes a statement like this. And many of us have parents have said this to our generations to follow. Do you think life will be better for the next generation than it has been for yours? Nobody in the ancient world would have ever thought to have asked a question like that. Because in those cultures in that time, there was just a sense of existence. Before Christ came, there was really just a sense of existence. A sense of just sort of going through and just sort of the cycle of life was just what they were just living. Not necessarily a sense of purpose. And we must look at cultures and, 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 and see that there was that endless cycle that was there without a sense of hope or a sense of destiny, just as an endless repetition of ups and downs and good seasons and bad seasons. But followers of Jesus came to believe that there was an underlying story, not just of the ups and downs of history, but that God is actually leading this history. He's leading this story to somewhere. There's a destiny. There's a destination that he's taking us to. This meant that these followers could face the future with hope when before there was not necessarily a sense of hope, only of existence. Hope was an idea the ancient world did not share. They didn't have it. In the early pages of the book of Luke, the gospel writer, he explains this uh, talking about the birth of Christ. He writes in Luke 2.1, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this statement is important because of how it's, it's being communicated. Because this took place during Quirinius, the governor of Syria. And why is it, why is it giving these two leaders names in this statement at, at the point of Jesus' birth? And the reason why is because in Luke's day and in this region's events were marked. The dates were marked by the reign of the, of the, of the Roman leader who occupied it and its local governor. Who occupied it. There was no dating system that was in place. It was only listed by the names of those rulers at that point in time. But over time, the power of Caesar faded, as we know, and he he later passed. But by the 6th century, the Scythian monk living in Rome proposed a new system for dating history. He proposed that the calendar be centered not on a pagan myth, as many of the Roman uh, celebrations were centered around, but on the incarnation of this uneducated, unimportant carpenter... That was named Jesus. I'm sorry, I just have to make those jabs every now and then as I go on. Who never held public office. You understand, all of these guys were holding public office, and that's why they're listed their names. But let me show you where this is going. But it was this theological statement that life in this universe is not an accident or a random cycle. Or is being governed by these rulers, these natural rulers, but by the true story. And that our calendar should be marked not just by the story, but by the storyteller himself. It's a powerful statement. At the center of this story, the center of humanity, history, his story, the entrance of the world and of humanity's Messiah would come. No Caesar ever heard a hint of his existence. None of them knew. None of the rulers of that time knew. Him declared. None of them knew that. And yet, they were the rulers of the earth. But yet today, we declare him as king of kings and lord of lords. This insignificant, unimportant carpenter. (laughs) This obscure, small movement of ragtag, uneducated, unimportant leaders... Such as as would be laughed at and mocked, yet has been said to blow away so many of its institutions, so many of the institutions of the world's minds to this day. And yet they were tried to have been forgotten, they were tried to be right out of the history books, but yet none could. The fact remains that 2018 years later, After the birth of this poor obscure Jewish carpenter, every time a human being anywhere in the planet, all over the world, anytime they mark the date and write the date, they are identifying the birth of Christ himself. Every time an atheist puts the date, they are acknowledging the lordship of Jesus Christ over the history of the entire world. Everyone who has denied it and tried to take it out. Every paper that unfolds, every newspaper that opens, every computer as it boots, acknowledges Christ has come. Think about it. He is the central central figure of all of humanity, of all of history, of all, all of time. Caesar Augustus died in the year of our Lord. 14 AD, an acknowledgement of Christ, yet he never knew him or acknowledged him. Yet we set the date of his death by the birth of the Christ that he never knew. (laughs) Think about how profound this is. Nero set fire to Rome in 64 AD in an attempt to blame the Christians in order to stop Christianity that was flooding Rome at its time and taking over uh, all of all of Rome in that period. And he died and his death is marked by the same birth of the one that he was trying to obliterate and strike out of all of history in the year of our Lord, 68 AD. The very fact that we say AD is an acknowledgement of the of the Lord has come. Every time do you remember when they were trying to remove it by saying the news medias would say B C E, trying to remove it? And trying to use before common era. Do you hear that anymore? No. Why? Because it's the unstoppable force. This Jesus movement is the unstoppable force. <laughs> Nothing can take it out. Nothing can erase it. Even those who have tried, such as Napoleon, who died in 1821, and even Joseph Stalin, who died in 1953. All of those are marked, they are, their deaths are marked by, by going all the way back to when Christ came. And yet both of those tried to remove the church and tried to remove, you know, Christ from its history. Now, and we were sitting, I, re, I remember standing, uh, my wife and I were just in, in, in Russia, and we were standing outside of Stalin's tombs. And I remember as a kid seeing lines of Russians going to visit Stalin's tombs. And the Russian uh, tour, people that were giving us a guided tour, they said, now no." one stands here. No one's interested, no one cares, no one why because his history and his impact is seen as 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 unhelpful and unusual. And leaders of nations have come and gone, yet Christ remains. Yet Christ and his gospel remains. And isn't it interesting that these rulers that have ever reigned, every nation that rises and falls, must reinforce that Christ came. And who was he? How did he make this impact? How did he have this transformation on the world? The world's days off are marked as what? We call them holidays, which comes from holy days. So we were referencing days that are, that are set aside as days of holy. Every institution uh, celebrates them. And the life and the impact of this man called Jesus. How did we get mechanical clocks? Does anybody know this? How mechanical clocks came into existence? Was monastic communities oriented their days around practice of prayer. And they were trying to stay consistent with those practices of prayer. So Benedictine monks created the first mechanical clock. The first mechanical clock ever created was created. Created to mark time so they could have consistency in times of prayer and devotion. That's how you and I have watches. <laughs> Jesus also shaped the express, uh, how, how we would express compassion. When Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And in it's original, it's really commuted, never stop the little children from coming to me. He also instructed the church to take care of the widows and orphans. Before people with that, before that would happen, widows and orphans were abandoned. Young children born with with deformities were either destroyed, they were killed, or they were cast out of the community as unwanted. As soon as you became a widow or an orphan, you instantly became a beggar. Because you had no value outside of that identity of that father or of that husband. That was your only identity. The church actually began to take abandoned children in. Even children who did not belong to them. Benegius of Dijon, a second century follower of Jesus. Who according to the ancient historians. Nursed and supported and protected the number of deformed and crippled children. That had been saved from death after failed abortions. And, and, and who, were, who were thrown out to, to be, be killed by exposure. And he was martyred by the government for doing so. For taking in these unwanted, abandoned children. And let me just say, can I, I, you know, I don't care what your politics are. It really doesn't matter because I've got the platform. i got the mic. I can kind of say what I want. And <laughs> Van has to deal with it later. But thank God... Thank God for this, for this, this, you know, this new, you know, step in Ohio of recognizing the human heartbeat. Thank God for that. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Thank God for that. May all the other states recognize that the gift of human life is a gift from God himself and to strip it away is to strip away something you don't own and you don't have. It was from the father himself. The ancient Roman world, widows by law were actually fined. You were fined for being a widow or an orphan by the Roman government. For surviving your husband. This was to promote widows and orphans to take their own lives. Because they were viewed as being a drag on the economy of society because they went into begging. And so they would fine them. As soon as you had a a spouse or a father that perished, you you had to pay a tax that no others had to pay. And it's incredible when you take a look at this. But the church remembered the words of Jesus. And, 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 and of course what he said to his friend John. When he was dying on the cross. And he looked at him and he said take care of my mom. She is now like your mom. Take care of her. Treat her as if she's yours herself. So these followers of Jesus began taking care of the widows and the orphans that were not related to them. And many of these early uh, Christian uh, people that were a part of the early, early, early church, they told the government, we will pay the tax for them on their behalf because they can't afford to pay it. That's the heart of Christ, that it can only come through when a person has experienced the transforming power of Jesus. During the bubonic plague, which killed a full third of Europe's population, Franciscan friars remained in each infected community in order to minister to the sick and bury the dead that were infected by the disease because no one was there to take care of them. And they were trying to protect the rest of society. And their statement was, we have Christ. They have not. So we need to give our lives in order to spare them to be able to hear the gospel that could be preached to them. Over 80% of all Franciscans died during the Peg, plague. Giving their lives in effort to minister the eternal life to those who were perishing. That Jesus movement revolutionized and influenced health care. We never had it before at that time. The church would bring the sick people in, and they didn't know in, in order to take, that they didn't even have a relationship with in order to take care of them at high risk of their own health. By the fourth century, the first hospital and prolonged care for the sick was developed by Saint Benedict. By the sixth century, every monastery would have a long-term care of hospitality. Thus, hospital attached to it. In the 19th century, an organization was developed by the church, the church of Geneva, not the government of Geneva, with the sole aim to alleviate human suffering in the world. That was an institution called the Red Cross. At the, around the same time, the Salvation Army was formed in the UK and William Booth, its founder, to help share the gospel and relieve the suffering to those who were in need. We're reminded of their mission every year when it comes to Christmas at the tolling of the bells outside of the Walmarts and the Kroger's and everywhere we go. And the ringing of the bells, they said, was not an announcement that Christmas has come, but an announcement to remember the poor because Jesus came for everyone as they rang the bells. Whenever you say the words World Vision or Compassion International or YMCA or St. Jude's or Good Samaritan, all of them have been birthed out of the church. All of them have come through a heartbeat of of what was happening through the church throughout history of all time. This Jesus movement birthed so much and our society would not be the same without him. The philosopher named Mark Nelson put it like this, if you ask What is Jesus' influence on medicine and compassion? I would suggest that wherever you have an institution of self-giving for the lonely and for practical welfare of the lonely, schools, hospitals, hospices, orphanages, for all of those that would never have to pay for their own care, all of it has been rooted by the movement of Jesus Christ, this insignificant, unimportant peasant. The Jesus' movement has shaped education as we know it. The nota, if you notice the difference between the Old Testament version of what Jesus said in Deuteronomy 6.4 where it says this in 6.4 Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But Jesus added a part when he stated it. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength and your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to love God with all of our mind? What does that mean? Back in 410 AD, the Roman Empire collapsed and the barbarians, the Huns, uh, the Goths and the Visigoths destroyed the Roman civilization, sending Europe into what we now know as the Dark Ages. There were no books that we knew of back then. They didn't have any printing presses. Only the wealthy could afford an education. No commoner would ever have been educated. So monasteries started establishing schools so that everyday people could get an education and with the sole purpose so that people could understand and read the word of God. And so the people who did not only love God with their mind, but they could truly know his mind in theirs and therefore understand his heart and his soul so they could move and sync with what Jesus came to bring. So Jesus impacted all of education because the churches are the ones that started the educational institutions. In the very real way, Jesus also changed science as we know it today. In the ancient world, everything was done just at random accident. There was all of a sudden this just sort of accidental... Isn't it interesting that the late 1800s, we went back to that by embracing a theory that now we're backtracking on it once again. And yet, all of it really came, its initial was coming from an understanding of of what is in scripture, that science is an organized, sustained enterprise, arose out of the church, really of the understanding of what the church's educational system would do. They would think of of statements, uh, if you look and think of statements like what Paul wrote, where he says, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things are held together. If you really take a look and you really talk to scientists who really understand, they understand there's something pulling everything together because otherwise it is too random to be that just risky thought or theory. Harvard University's student handbook in 1646 states it like this. Let every, this is Harvard. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, according to John seventeen three, And therefore, to lay Christ as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and of all learning. That's in Harvard's handbook. Then then came schools such as Yale and William and Mary and Princeton uh, and Brown, all of these Ivy Leagues that we now call them. In fact, the prior American Revolution, every college and university in the colonies started as an extension of the church. 92% of the first 138 colleges and universities founded in America were started by the followers of this uneducated, unimportant, (laughs) itinerant preacher who never wrote a book. The alphabet of the Slavic peoples called Cyrillic. As we were just in Russia, I'm seeing all of these Cyrillic letters around and going, I wish I could read them. They're now wanting to transfer it over to transliteration into the, the English letters. And I'm like, don't lose that. Why, why, would, you not want, why would you want to lose those symbols uh, to this? Why wouldn't we want to keep those? It's because if you think about it, it's really powerful because that's called Cyrillic because St. Cyril, is, he was a missionary to the Slavs and he discovered that they had no written alphabet. And so he prayed and he developed the written alphabet, which we now see as the Cyrillic uh, letters that are used. So he created them and the first translation, the first words pinned in Cyrillic was a translation of the Bible. To read the book of the words of Jesus to the nation of this, this nation that would later, many of them would later try to wipe him out of their history by trying to remove the church. So it acts of unthinkable, magnificent heroism... Devoted their lives, these missionaries and these people devoted their lives. The Gospels have been, the Gospel now has been translated in over 2,500 2, languages around the world. No other book has been translated into one, not even the, the, the one that comes second has only been translated into one tenth of that many languages. Without Jesus, there is no Martin Luther. There is no Reformation, whose Bible became the primary shaper of the German language. Without Jesus, there is no King James, which became the shaper of the English language. The Jesus movement revolutionized art and music. Imagine a world without the Hallelujah Chorus. We were just sitting at my son's uh, Christmas uh, celebration, uh, Christmas chorus, and their, their choir at school, and they, were, they finished off with the Hallelujah Chorus. And as they were sitting there, my wife and I and Aaron, we were discussing afterwards how that when Handel came in, you have to realize the power of that chorus. First of all, go through sometime and just read. Not even just listen. Listen to it is even better because the music is so much more powerful. But you just go through and read all of Handel's Messiah. To understand the history of that, Handel locked himself away in a room with only water, fasting and praying for 23 days. Because he wanted to know Jesus. And when he came out 23 days later, he came out with Handel's Messiah. And when you read the words of that, of that production and that, that musical, how could anyone deny there is a God? And he came out not declaring it was not a piece of music, but declaring it was a revelation of Christ himself. And it wasn't just Handel. It goes on. Because Mozart's Requiem, if you take a look at Mozart's Requiem and the Gor- Gorgarian, the the Gorgarian chant, And if you look at Bach's works, Bach signed every work. As soon as he signed his signature, he put to the very bottom, to the glory of God. If Bach had had a tattoo, it would have said to the glory of God. I <laughs> promise you it would have. Modern music notes were invented by middle middle, middle ages monks. We wouldn't have had music notes today if it wasn't for these monks. Who wrote these down so that there could be music that could go behind these communication of hymns that would declare who Christ was? The Jesus movement changed the political theory. Jesus' statement became the most influential statement throughout all of political history. Jesus changed how we think about human rights, how we think about uh, prisons uh, and, and people in in prison who not only just need to be locked away, but need to be helped and need to be aided, need to be educated, be communicated of a person's worth and dignity. The Constitution in its writing, it is communicating a thought that God had himself. It didn't originate with the founders of the nation. The Constitution says we hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, everybody should just know this. Because it's right there in scripture That all men are created equal And have been endowed by their creator With certain rights That every human being has those rights Where did that come from? Though it is self-evident the framers of the Constitution are stating it certainly wasn't self-evident to the Goths and the Huns or the Nazis. It certainly wasn't self-evident in, in various uh, or, or, you know, Asian caste systems that are existent today. In, in Galatians 3.28 it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Revelations 5, it says, of every tongue, tribe, nation. You see, God has created an entire new human race. Not of blood, not of DNA, not of human origin, but a race of the spirit. A super race that would operate from every tongue, tribe, nation, where nobody is held in rank based on where they were born or how they were born or what they came out of. It's a whole new humanity that he has created. Galatians 3.28 says there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave. There's neither male nor female. You're not being designated by by, by your, your born sex. And that is not to say those aren't significant distinctions. It is to say that they are not what puts us in different classes or categories. In 115 AD, the ancient writer named Tectius wrote about the early Christian martyrs in his annals in 1544. That's not a date, but it's actually a marking of it in the book. He said this, Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. Speaking of the early church, they were torn apart by dogs or perished by lion's jaws. They were nailed to crosses, or they were doomed to flames Yet none of them complained At the opportunity to die So that generations may know the love Of a Christ that had brought them To the point to be willing to die The Christian martyr's blood so He's pleading with the Romans The Roman government He says a Christian martyr's blood is a seed If you slay one One drop of their blood Arise a hundred to take their place Why? Why? Because it is the unstoppable force. That persecution against the church endured for three centuries. And in many parts of the world still endures to this day. The response to the persecuted uh, Jesus followers was not to dream of revenge. Or to rise up an army. To overthrow a government or its ruler. To come in armed resistance. But instead be willing to die as their founder had died. That the world might know. The most famous speech of the 20th century was given by a preacher named Martin Luther King Jr. in 1963 when he cried out, I have a dream. At one point in the speech, King shifts to quoting from Amos Amos 4 uh, and Isaiah 40, saying that one day all children of God will be judged no longer by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today, he said. I have a dream that every valley will be raised up and every mountain brought down. This is straight from the scripture. And the glory of God will be revealed and all flesh will see together I have a dream. I think Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech was, it was so powerful. And of course, he was such a wise man to add scripture to it because he knew the importance and its enduring power that would come through to break the chains of oppression, to break the chains of prejudice and to block the lies that the enemy would try to come and to bring us in captivity, either by the oppressors or the oppressed. Your kingdom come. He's taking that as a statement from your kingdom come and your will being done as earth as it is in heaven. That's not a secular speech, my friends. You can hear the cry of God for liberation of its humanity being held in captivity. The release of his people to understand a freedom. That's the cry of the heartbeat of the father himself. He is the hope of the oppressed. As the scripture says, and he is the inspiration of the despairing. And yes, even to this historian who doesn't understand, he is declared as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the greatest teacher who have ever lived. He is the greatest mind that has ever thought. He has sparked the greatest movement that has ever existed. He was the greatest leader that ever led. He offered the greatest gift that has ever been given. And he alone mastered life. He alone conquered death himself. That we may know that life. He alone overcame the power of sin. And he alone is the son of God. He alone is the savior of the world. And he alone is the focus of the worship. When we step into this Christmas season. He is the focus and should be the focus of our entire lives. And as the poet once wrote. And these words are so profound and so powerful. He was born of an obscure village. Almost sounding like she's agreeing with the historian. The son of a simple peasant woman worked with his father in the carpenter shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book. He never held a political office. He usually walked everywhere he went. He never did any of the things that most normally associate with greatness. But you see, this is the upside down kingdom. That's how he broke Satan's system. Satan tried to tempt him in the wilderness by promoting himself and lifting himself up. And Jesus came to overthrow the system by bringing himself low and therefore ruling over all. The tide of public opinion turned against him at 33. And, the, and, and he was turned over to the authorities that were his enemies. And he went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his only earthly possession that was his robe. He was taken down from the cross. And yet the ones who nailed him there and punctured his side looked up and declared, Truly, this was the Son of God because they saw the splendor of his glory in nature and being surrounded by it. He was taken down from that cross and laid in a borrowed grave, but of an earth he created. Now, 20 centuries later, we have seen him come and we have seen nations and leaders come and go. And today, this poor, insignificant carpenter, who is totally Blew his chance at becoming the leader of Israel. He is the centerpiece of all of humanity. He is the hinge pin of all of history. We all mark our calendars going back to his birth. Jesus, this person, I would say to this historian, Jesus, this miserable failure that you have declared, I would say, he is now known and we could all agree that of all the armies, just going back to that poet, of all the armies that have ever marched, of all the rulers that have ever ruled, of every king that has sat on the throne of this earth, of every navy and every army that has ever taken possession of any other country, of everything that has been done throughout history, if you put them all together none has impacted all of humanity like this one solitary insignificant obscure person's life Truly, truly, it was a wonderful life because today his life is still being lived in you and in me and his gospel is still going up and transforming nations and turning over governments and bringing the great down to their knees and lifting the weak up to the highest place because he is king of kings and lord of lords. This one solitary life never again at this time of year will I ever say happy holidays (laughs) never again as I was greeted in homes last December in Afghanistan and Christians with tears in their eyes clasping my hands whispering in fear of death for saying it Merry Christmas he came he brought us freedom and our nation will bow to him dangerous nation of the world. Why? Because he's king of kings and lord of lords. And this kingdom is an unstoppable kingdom. And is it a kingdom without end? Father, I thank you that that life was given and that life is still being lived. And that this time of year, we celebrate all that you are. We celebrate your gift of life and we celebrate your gift of salvation and the truth of who you are. And Lord, let us take courage and let everyone know you are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. And you still rule and you reign. And you offer hope in the hearts of men. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Wow, Jesus is awesome, isn't he? Now, um, I know we all just want to get right into worship, but uh, what, we're gonna, what we need to do first is receive the offering. And so I do remind you, this is worship as we give. We're participating in this historic movement uh, that Jesus Christ started and that he is carrying on through us. So the, the uh, baskets are on the far left of each row. Please, if you are the furthest left person, pick that up, pass it down. We'll receive that. And um, great worship set this morning. Uh, We're going to enjoy together. I'm going to pray right now. Father, uh, thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Thank you that we get to be part of what you're doing in this world. And that you actually use us to accomplish the will of God in this world and advance this kingdom of Jesus Christ. We just lift our hearts to you now and worship. Amen. Uh, let's all stand to start, okay? And come on down front, okay? It's, there's something awesome about getting out of your comfort zone. So uh, you're free to come down front to worship. Lord Jesus, we lift up your name. You're so good. Thank you for your presence. Thank you. Tonight at six o'clock, we're going to have a Holy Spirit service here, um, which will be just like what we're experiencing now, except I don't know what else. (laughs) So come back tonight at six. Okay. I just wanted to make sure everyone knew that six o'clock here. Come early so you get a good seat.
1: Just earlier uh, in the service, in the first service, I, I felt like there was, a, there was a thing that some people have been going through with uh, depression and things like that. But, um, and I, I want you to ponder that for a second because I feel like there's something of liberty that the Lord wants to bring to us. But if there's anybody here that you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never prayed and accepted him into your life, and you've heard the call. To come into relationship with them today through the Spirit, maybe it's something just tugging you. Just, just recognize the need for that. If that's you, just if you just raise your hand right now. If you're like, I want to give my life to Jesus, and you're here today, raise your hand if you would. If you've never done that before, okay. And then there's the second part. If you again, if there's anybody that has been struggling with uh, depression, or uh, was I was with my uh, friend. Brian Welch, uh, we were celebrating his the movie that just came out, Rock, Loud Crazy Love in Hollywood, and and I just said something to him about just the transformation and seeing the movie and the transformation in his life, and and he looked at me, and we were talking about that, and, and he said, you know, he goes, I, I went through my whole life trying to satisfy the depression and the anxiety and the fear with, with uh, music and with drugs, and And with alcohol and sex and he goes and none of it none of it would satisfy he goes i i I couldn't ever get any sort of complete satisfaction i could never he says none of it would satisfy and he says only when i came to the place of of surrendering my life to jesus christ and making jesus lord he goes all of a sudden he goes something switched because he goes i began to follow his lead as being one who gives of himself rather than one who takes for himself. And this came at a point when he was washing dishes in my house and I walked in and laughed and I said, you know, there's a rock star washing dishes in my home. I was like, when's the last time you washed dishes? You know, because I doubt he does it very much. I'll just say that. And he looks at me and he goes, you know, he goes, doing selfless acts like this he said, it shows me the power of Jesus Christ. He says, because I learned, he goes, I've learned to be free from the depression and from the anxiety by taking a place of low, of lowering myself and serving. And he says, and it's broken depression out of my life. It's broken the anxiety out of my life because it's following the lead of Christ. And I just feel like just in this message this morning, if you see where so much of the depression and anxiety that comes in people's lives comes when we see movies this time of year or sing songs or, and we do comparisons of what others' families are like that ours aren't or what others' lives are and the prosperity they have that we don't. And it can bring a heavy level of depression. But don't see it from that perspective. The way we break free from that is by taking the position that Jesus did and to serve, to give, to surrender, to give to others, to bless others instead of looking for what's going to bring us up out of that place of depression. And so with that in mind... And I'd like to invite any of the ministry team that are here to come forward to help me. But with that in mind, if you've battled any depression, or if especially this time of year brings that for you, I want to invite you to come up to the front for us to pray for you. I feel like the Lord is going to give you an understanding, as he did with Brian, give you an understanding of how to break that cycle, of how to break that lie, how to break that thing that, that robs us. Of, of having that place of peace and don't be hesitant in that this is a this is this is family this is place of so feel free but if you have that come forward now so that we can pray for you and and pray to that the lord give you an idea of bringing a a place of 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 release and a place of breakthrough for that in you the other thing was uh i felt is there is there a sarah smith here is anybody here named sarah smith its name keeps coming up over and over in my heart and mind from early this morning. And I just keep, I can't let it go. If anybody named Sarah Smith. Okay. Maybe it's tonight. We'll see. Or I'm just wrong. I'm fine with being wrong. But um, the other thing too, is I, I had a, a word for people who had sciatica and their right side, but I feel too, that there's somebody who's having problems with Uh, pinched nerves or bone spurs in your neck that you're having problems with that and it's causing a lot of pain in your neck or pinched nerves in the neck. Anybody have that? Just come okay, come forward, make sure we pray for that. There's I just saw bone spurs in the neck especially disappearing. I mean if you have we can pray for any bone spurs to disappear but um, I just uh, felt that especially that, you know, that if you had that, I felt too that anybody who's having a problem with reoccurring kidney infections or kidney issues, whether that's affecting you or, or, or bladder issues like that, I felt like there was a healing for that. If that's you come forward, I feel like the Lord's going to bring a release and a healing for that. And I felt like, especially if it's reoccurring or you're or just currently in that state, um, that's, uh, that there's freedom for that too. And also, uh, just just hearing the Lord just say right now that there's some of the people that have been struggling with some night terrors or some, not even realizing that you're having that in the night, but that you're waking up with some unusual behavior or something that maybe family or, or you're waking yourself up doing that. There's a breakthrough for that for you. If that's you, come forward. And I felt like that, especially when I was talking about that breaking darkness earlier. So if you, if you have that, come forward. We want to pray for you. The Lord's going to set you free from that this morning. And then just we'll pray for anything. If you need prayer for anything, come forward, do that. But uh, let's just launch in sort of a general prayer and sort of close in prayer. But Father, we just thank you for the breakthrough. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, that you break the powers of darkness. And Father, that you, that you take us, Lord, that your revenge, how you get revenge is you use us as people who've been wounded, have been hurt, or been uh, uh, abandoned, or, 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 or have gone through places of rejection, and you use us to bring healing for those very things to others. That that's how, that's the, how the revenge of God works, is you use wounded healers to be healing for the world. We thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here now and what you're going to do tonight in your power and in your demonstration of power. Father, we just thank you for that. I just pray blessing on everyone here. As we leave this place, you leave as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You leave as representative of the kingdom, the king of heaven and earth and Lord of all. And that as you leave this place, you do not leave the church. You leave to go be the church. Christ in you is the hope of this world. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, come forward. If not, God bless you. You can be dismissed.